Hello, Mama. Welcome to Reaching Abundance. Often, personal finance conversations are centered around cutting costs related to unnecessary expenses or what some may consider as frivolous expenses. But what about the expenses that we need? The things that we are going to spend money on, like kids' clothes, the electricity bill, or housing costs. Sometimes we can make more headway, paint a better financial picture, and enjoy life a little more by adjusting our focus on the must-spend items. Today, I'm talking with local realtor, networking buddy, friend, and local mom, Rachel Wester. She's a very money-minded mama, which is why she's also great at helping people with likely one of the biggest financial decisions of their lives, a home purchase. She's a great negotiator, has an eye for diamonds in the rough, and has strategically created a blossoming career during which she can also be home with her family. I think you know what I mean when I say some people leave you feeling energized and others leave you drained. And without fail, I walk away from conversations with Rachel feeling excited, motivated, and like we're part of some imaginary mom Avenger team or something. One of the best things about Rachel, though, is her open heart and her transparency about her journey. She shares openly about challenges she's faced building her business, struggles she's had managing the household, and even big financial decisions she's made toward minimizing the mental load she carries. In fact, she and I have had several conversations about leading the household mindfully and how and when we might gently introduce money and basic financial concepts to kids. So just for you. I've put together a list of kids books divided by age group about money. Download the free list complete with links so you can easily toss them in your Amazon cart at happyhealthyabundance.net slash kids money books. Again, grab that list for free at happyhealthyabundance.net slash K-I-D-S-M-O-N-E-Y-B-O-O-K-S. Welcome to the Reaching Abundance podcast, where your host, Virginia Elder, shares helpful guidance for moms around positive mindset, creating simplicity, practicing true self-care, and most of all, money management. Her financial journey toward a better life blossomed into an insatiable desire for overall happiness and abundance. Hang out with her right here each week while she ditches the taboos around women and money, shares resources, educates, and financially empowers all the mamas. I'm super excited to introduce you all today to Rachel Wester. She is a mom of three and a real estate agent. And she does a fantastic job, in my opinion, of seemingly doing it all while also being so open about the struggles of balancing it all. So welcome to the show, Rachel. 
Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. First, you are a real estate agent. You're a mom to three kids. There was a while where I think you were homeschooling or at least considering it. You used to be a teacher. Like you have such an interesting history. And I would love for all the moms out there to hear about kind of how you got here and how your perspective and behaviors with money have adjusted over time. Thanks. Yeah, I did. I used to teach Mm -hmm. and growing up, I wanted to teach and I never thought that money was important. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wanted to have enough money to have like a comfortable life and pay my bills. But I really bought into that idea that I want to say money is the root of all evil, but I grew up in a really modest household. And I just thought, I don't need any more than I would ever make as a teacher, you know? So just money was never my goal with teaching. And I taught for eight years and really the plan was when we started a family, I knew I wanted to stay home with my kids. And so my husband is also a teacher educator. And we really just scrimped and saved for about... We were married seven years so that we could afford to live on one salary. And that was really the plan was I would quit teaching, stay home when we had kids. And that would be that. And that's really... That's what we did. We were living like mice when I was home (laughs) with the kids and started real estate originally as sort of like a why not kind of thing. And I can just sell a few houses here and there to kind of help as extra money or to supplement to get us by. That was really the original goal because I was really focused on staying home. Right. Kids. That worked for a little while, but then real estate started taking off and I kind of went a little bit bigger with it. And I guess that's really... It's been a big progression just in the last few years. Like you said, my relationship with Mm -hmm. money and what does it look like in my life and what do I want? Because I've kind of been all over. I've always been really good with money as far as scrimping and saving and doing the right things. Mm -hmm. But I think I've realized that sometimes you have to think differently about, you know, your time and what your time is worth. And there are a lot of things that I've figured out along this journey. And I think a couple of years ago, I realized that getting my mind right about money and my goals with it and really truly getting our finances back in order was going to be huge. And so, you know, that's kind of when you and I really started talking and met each other was because (laughs) finances and getting things right. And now that we have, everything has just, it's just changed. It really has. So yeah, I've always been good with money, but my relationship with it has changed in some really good ways, especially over the last couple of years. Right. And what do you think about your experience as a real estate agent working with your clients, trying to help them with a big life transition. And there is a little bit of exposure there for you to their personal finances. You know their budget. They are probably open with you about what they can and can't afford. You probably see some of the background information. So I would imagine that's a little bit of a learning experience for you too, that probably with each new client, there's a little bit of money perspective that you gain and absorb? Absolutely. You see all the different types of buyers. Mm-hmm. You see the buyers who are shooting for the stars, you know, <laughs> trying to buy everything that they can afford. <laughs> I know. The biggest thing they can get. And you yeah. see buyers who really want to stay down below their means and within their comfort zone. And I would say too, that's another piece of this that 
I really love is trying to help guide people through that and with those decisions. I mean, a lot of that ends up happening through my lender, but it's right. definitely trying to guide people with that and helping them make good decisions there because I know we'll get there. But one of the biggest things and one of the things you've helped me process through was even as a realtor, we ended up in the wrong house for us and in a bad situation. And I honestly... I a bad money situation. And I think a lot of it was because I was my own realtor and I was operating from an emotional standpoint and I was crazy pregnant and there was a <laughs> lot going on. And I didn't look like we just, we ended up in this financial money pit and looking back, I was like, Oh, I think if I'd had a realtor to guide me in sort of a non-emotional way, <laughs> and I really mm. realized my worth as a realtor helping people navigate those financial decisions. Yeah. Because again, this is a big piece of what we'll talk about, but that was the key to digging out of sort of the financial disaster we were in was moving and making a better decision with the house and just with everything. So yeah, I do. I really enjoy yeah. the financial piece. I think I've told you, I always wanted to be a teacher. And then I thought if I weren't a teacher, I think I would like to be a realtor. And I've always thought if not a realtor, I think I would like to be like a financial advisor or work in that ah. just because I love those aspects of things. Yeah. <laughs> so. so I love how, whether you feel that your house is too big, whether it's too expensive, it's got maintenance issues that you didn't realize before you bought it. It's kind of like what you said, it's just a money pit for some reason or another. And some of that changes with time, right? Like maybe our job changes. Maybe you were pregnant when you bought it and so you were emotional about certain things. I think that's so common for a lot of women. I don't think your story is strange in any way. And I think a lot of moms could really connect with that. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about the realization process of where you were in that too big of home or, you know, whatever the issues were there. And then what made you shift and see that moving was actually the answer and the solution to a lot of what you had been frustrated about for a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I think the shift came, again, we had, been really good at living like mice for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I think what I didn't quite realize is that as we moved into having three kids and the kids got older, you know, people always say kids are expensive. Well, honestly, when they're little bitty, the way I was doing it, they really weren't. Yeah. I was breastfeeding them. I bought all their clothes resale. They were tiny. I didn't, again, I was a teacher, so I kept them home. I didn't even send them like to preschool. It wasn't really in the budget. Yeah. And we got to a point where we were good with money and real estate was going pretty well. So we took the leap into a much bigger house and a more expensive area, all these things. And I think in my head, I thought, well, we can just keep living like mice and it will be fine. And I didn't realize a lot of the new expenses we were taking on. And I also didn't realize for us, it was that house had so many maintenance issues. It, was, uh. it wasn't an older home, but for us, it was. It was built in the 70s. It was a really, really shoddy flip that they had done. Mm. And so I knew that it needed a lot of yeah. stuff to kind of be fixed under the surface. Yeah. But my husband is super handy. And I thought, well, we can fix it up because that's kind of what we had done with our other house. We had put sweat equity into it over years. Right, like we can handle it. Yeah, but really it was like, now we have three kids, brand new baby. We're in this house and we just started getting underwater and it 
It was just fix after fix after fix. And then again, where my real estate was always meant to be extra and I survive on one salary, we had cut it so close that it got to where that wasn't working anymore. And it was mm-hmm. like, then I had a mm-hmm. like a nine month dry spell with real estate. It was crazy. Then we just started going under. We still had some student loan debt from like our two master's degrees. And we started going to debt and we had always really wanted to be debt free. And that was one of our things, you know, we didn't carry credit card debt. And now it was just like, I started robbing Peter to pay Paul and oh my gosh. Yeah. You feel it spiraling almost. It was spiraling and I couldn't dig out. And like, again, I didn't think we could move because my husband, it's a long story, but he has very specific criteria about a house and some of the things that he does and works on. And we had like our old house built out into kind of this big workshop thing. It really fit the bill, but I just realized like it was dragging us down and that if we stayed there, we were just going to keep pouring tens of thousands of dollars just again into just trying to kind of get the house right yeah, and not anything we even enjoyed. Yeah. It became really clear that financially, if we stayed in that house, we were just going to be trying to dig out forever. Right. And so again, that became really clear. Like, what if we moved? I was like, what if we move? What if we stay in our same neighborhood? We were right by the school. We loved it. And I started really looking at the numbers and realizing that if we did even kind of a lateral move, we didn't have to really even take a hit on the price of the house or really any of it. Right. But if we did a lateral move and basically restructured, almost like a cash out refi, but instead of that, you're actually moving properties. And yeah. We just realized that's what we needed to do. We just, we needed a reset and we needed to get into a house that wasn't going to drag us under. And we needed right. to take some of our equity and pay off some debts and just restructure things. And that's what we did. And it, yeah, it, I can't even tell you, it was just, it was what we needed. It let us reset. It let me breathe. It let me no longer freak out that real estate, you know, if I didn't sell a house, we couldn't pay our mortgage. Mm. And it, brought me back to doing it because I wanted to do it. And we did the the move based fully on my husband's salary. I didn't factor in any of mine. I was like, we've got to be able to do this on just yours. And it just, it did. That was one of the best decisions financially I think we've ever made. That's awesome. And I really enjoyed witnessing you through that process, just as a friend, as a bystander, as a Facebook friend, seeing your posts and even just feeling your emotions through what you would say or share and understanding what you were going through. And I'm sure that now, after that experience, you probably have some advice to help other moms if they find themselves in that position or even just to avoid that whole situation. So what do you think you would say if you saw another mom kind of about to make that big house decision that's a little too tight. A little too tight. Yeah. Um. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've all been there, right? Like we've all made a rough or bad financial decision that kind of put us in a tight spot. Um, I would say if you're already in it, then whether it's the house or whether whatever it is that you're underwater about, you have to realize that something major is going to have to change because Mm -hmm. you could kind of keep trucking along and maybe digging out a little bit. And that's sometimes possible, 
But if you don't change your house, if you don't change your spending habits, if you don't change your job to be making more money, then nothing's going to change. Something fundamental is going to have to change. And sometimes that might be your house or sometimes you might be able to adjust other things. But I think for us, because I was talking to another realtor about this, you know, we really were talking about helping people through a move and a financial reset. And I was thinking, well, what's the difference between that and like a cash out refi? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you can take a cash out refi, but if you don't fundamentally change something, you're going to get that money and then you're yeah. you're going to fall right back into the old habits because nothing fundamentally has changed. Yeah, the same habits are there. Right. Or if the house was dragging you down, maybe you get money to dig out, but it's just going to keep dragging you down or whatever yeah. it is. So you got to change something. And I would say too, you have to look really big picture. Mm-hmm. Again, I was looking at our house and the mortgage payment. And I knew we could do that, but I didn't factor in all that that house entailed. We had a huge, massive pool, you know, and all the costs that came with that. And we had a huge yard and we had just all these things. And so there were so many costs involved that I couldn't keep them down or keep them controlled. So it was just, we just took on too much. Mm-hmm. Somebody might've been able, or we might've been able to buy that house at that same exact price point kind of what we did when we moved, but not have all the maintenance headaches. Right. So when you're looking to make any kind of financial decision, whether it's buying a house, understand like the true cost of ownership and all of those things. Yes. Kind of like when you buy a car. <laughs> right. Like what's the true cost of ownership, not what's the purchase tag on it. Because yeah. Right. Factor in the maintenance and the lawn guy and the pool guy and the maid because the house is so big and you know, like what do you need that has to go with it? And then of course, there's always the water heater. I mean, in our house, we've replaced both water heaters and we've been here eight years and that's really not a bad track record. I'm not mad at this house at all, but things happen. There are things, especially with older homes that have to be replaced. But then I also want to say, even with new homes, People have this belief that, oh, if I buy a new home, there's no maintenance. I won't have to do anything. So let's talk about that a little bit because I know lots of people who've gone down that route and have still run into these same challenges with needing to replace the AC or have electricity rewired or needing to add insulation in the attic because the builders just did like some builder grade basic construction. So let's talk about that. What have you seen as far as that goes? Absolutely. And there's a slight difference if you're talking a brand new build and a house that's five or 10 years old. But mm-hmm. the thing about brand new builds is that for the first couple of years, yes, your stuff's under warranty. For the most part, you don't have to worry about that. But there are so many incidental things when you do a new build that you have to do that aren't there with an existing home. Like usually you're going to have to pay for like all the window treatments, which runs into thousands of dollars. You know, there may not be any landscaping, you know, there are so many little incidental things that really start to add up, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas with an established home, stuff is generally done. People have added things and improved things over the years and you get benefit from that. Right. And again, for the first year or so, things are under warranty, but that time period passes really quick. (laughs) So (laughs) if you've maxed yourself out on the purchase of a new built home and over the years, things start to go or you, you can end up underwater. 
And I think what's interesting right now, mm-hmm. what we're seeing around North Texas, especially around like Frisco and some areas of Plano, a lot of stuff was built in like the early 2000s or, you know, 2005, 2010. And you think, well, that's a newer home. Well, now it's, you might think, okay, I'm getting a little bit newer home, but a lot of the things are original. So it's like you buy this home that was built in 2005, but it has the original AC and the original water heaters and, and it needs updates cosmetically. And it's like, huh, you know, so right. the age of the home is important, but like you said, it's not a guarantee. It can vary so much. It's going to be specific to each home. And really the age does not guarantee that you're going to be (laughs) in a great financial spot either way. Yeah. And you and I have talked about personal finance tips about homeownership or about real estate. We just kind of get excited and we talk about this stuff. So let's (laughs) share some of that. A few tips never hurt. Oh, I have so many tips. (laughs) (laughs) I would always say Mm. with kids, resale is where it is like, I don't know how I would survive without like the resale market. And now, even if you don't have fantastic resale shops where you are, yeah, there's Facebook Marketplace, there's your next door network. Yes. Kids are going to tear stuff up. They just are. And so I, it kills me. I literally buy almost nothing retail because you can get it for easily 25% the cost going resale. And so their bikes and their, I just got my daughter looks like a brand new bike, $12, you know? So good. Hey mama, this episode is brought to you by Cozy, a shared calendar and scheduling app that my family uses to keep track of shopping lists and our family's crazy busy schedule. We got into Cozy because it's totally free and we were looking for something to help us manage the chaos. To download the app for free, click the link in the show notes. For over six months now, Cozy has helped us simplify our lives, which is why I can't wait for you to try it. That's my big one, really, truly, is that kids resale all the way. Just because you pay a premium for things to be brand new, and the second your kid opens it, it's used anyway, and they don't care. Yes. So that would be my very big tip Anytime I want to buy anything, that's where I go first and where I look. I love that. You're my fellow resale mama. (laughs) (laughs) So what about as far as homeownership? I'm thinking the electricity bill, Uh, maintenance. Maybe they have a rent home and they want to look into buying, but what is something that they could look forward to as far as like a savings tip for our homes? Uh, One of the biggies is electricity in Texas. Anyway, some people live in a co-op. If you live in a co-op, then you can't do this, but most do not. I bounce my electricity probably about every three months. And there's a service that can do it for you. It's called Energy Ogre. Hmm. If you don't want to do it yourself, and they cost like $10 a month. I used Energy Ogre once and they were good. They did a good job. They didn't do as well as I can because I've been playing the game for like 15 years, Mm -hmm. but they do a good job. And what I do basically, they just move your bill around based on like the best intro rate based on your kilowatt usage. And literally your power comes through the same poles and wires. It's just who you want to pay your bill to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll get in on like a new intro rate and it'll be like four cents a kilowatt hour. And my bills will be next to nothing. And so I've gotten really good at playing that game. But if you go with like the regular 
PXG or the big companies, you just you'll pay easily three times what you have to be paying. So I think that with your house bills, yeah. always looking at things for whether you know in your cable, what new intro rate can you get on, and just really looking over those things mm-hmm. with a fine tooth comb because otherwise. You can be just spending a little here and a little fee yeah. there. They've upped something and suddenly that can add up to easily hundreds a month. Yeah, definitely take whatever bills you're paying anyways, like electricity, like homeowner's insurance, cable, you know, if you're still a cable watcher, you know, all the bills that you are going to pay. Absolutely. And consider shopping them. Yep. Play them against each other. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't let it ride out for years and years at a time. Just, you know, always be looking at it. Yeah, I agree. So let's shift gears just a little bit here. You and I share a passion for personal growth. So what is maybe a book you're reading right now or something that you're doing right now to grow personally, whether that's therapy or yoga or some cool podcast or whatever you're into? I'm always trying to read something. I'm reading a book right now. It's called The Mm G-Code. And it's interesting It mainly talks about the force of average and how basically there's one single solitary thing that holds us all back. And that is distractions. Whatever it is that you're focused on, there will constantly be a barrage of a million distractions trying to pull you away from it. They're just... Mm. And it's learning how to focus and really tune those out and make that commitment. So I've been reading that. And then I'm really trying to move forward on kind of the health and fitness journey. Oh, yeah. I'm realizing it's difficult only because of the time commitments, you know, especially with the healthy eating. Like you've Mm -hmm. got to find those hours to devote to, you know, the meal planning and doing that every day. And I think that's really where I'm moving next because like with finances, when you break things down into categories in your life that we just moved in this house one year ago, almost exactly to the day. I kind of looked at all the facets and my health is okay. It's okay. You know, it's fine. I'm not super overweight. I eat kind of okay. But my finances were just in shambles. So I was like, I've got to get that right before I can get anything Mm -hmm. else right. So I did that. And now business is going well. And now I'm like, okay, I think I really need to focus on health and fitness because yes, it's okay for now. But if your health ever goes and you're not, then everything, like nothing else can work. (laughs) So I'm really trying to focus on that. And I joined a Facebook group called FitRise365. And every day it has really good like whole foods based meal plans. And it has a daily meditation and like a little daily workout. So I'm kind of trying to come around on that. But that's definitely (laughs) where I'm trying to focus. Yeah, I think that's the perfect, almost like testimony to we can do it all, right? But maybe not just all at once. So you focused on maybe building your business up a little bit. That helped you focus on your personal finances. Of course, like your income coming in from the business helps personal finances. But then you moved, which was a big reset for you guys. And I love how you use that, like a big financial reset. And then now it's been a year You've gotten a little settled on all these other fronts. You've settled into your home a little bit. You guys got a dog recently. And then now you're like, okay, let me switch gears a little bit. These things are going well. Let me focus on my health. And that's perfect because that's why my business is called Happy Healthy Abundance. Because I think to have happiness and abundance... You have to have health. You have to have the balance between all of these different things, including 
finances and mental wellness and so many different pieces go into that puzzle. It's all interconnected. So that's perfect. So I'm thinking from your kids' perspective, you are showing them what it takes to make positive decisions for the household, whether that be location-wise, financially, you know, with your health, with your work, you're showing them good work ethic, you're showing them all these things that I'm seeing. So what is something that you're purposely modeling and teaching your kids? Like, what is that thing that's important to you that you're purposely want to infuse into them? Just like you said, trying to make positive changes. And I think the idea of thinking, Mm -hmm. sort of thinking outside the box as far as if something's not working in your life, you're not tied to that thing. Like change it. Yeah. I think it's interesting if you've got two choices that aren't working for you, go out and create a third choice. You know, like if the options aren't working, go out and create your own. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've done that. Like with real estate, I've tried to create a life where I could be home with my kids and have this flexibility. And yes, that's worked so well, not just for my children. It's actually kind of been inspiring my husband. He's been thinking outside of the box more with his job where he kind of feels stuck and kind of like, huh, maybe there are these other things that I can do either on the side or maybe eventually, you know, segue into them. And so I just don't want my kids to think that life is set and you have to have, there's just one clear path and you go work for someone and then you make that amount of money and you do blankety blank, you know, it's yeah. Make your own path. If again, if it's not working, change something, do something differently. You're not locked in really by anybody and you can really make your own way, whatever that is. And like I said, if it doesn't exist, go out and create it and do it. (laughs) And, and anyone can do that. And I think it's this idea sometimes that it takes a special person to go out and do that. And it's like, no, like, I feel like I've created the life that I want. And sometimes it's a little surreal. And I think, how did I get here? I literally didn't do anything special. I just decided that I was going to do something and went and did it. And anyone can do that. And once you realize that the sky ends up being Mm -hmm. the limit, and that's, I'd say that's really what I want for my kids to know they can truly do anything yeah. That they want to do. <laughs> just got to figure out what it is and then they can go do it. Well, and right now, I think just with the environment and how everything's so online and our kids are getting exposed to that firsthand, right? Like school's online this year. Things are very interesting <laughs> right now. But I've talked to my own kids about this as well. And like, you know, mommy works on the computer all day long. I do something that's very different from my degree. I have an accounting background and now I'm coaching and podcasting and podcast editing. And all of this is an accumulation, like what you said, of my wanting to be home with my kids and wanting to create a certain lifestyle. And that's just, I did used to look at other quote unquote successful stay-at-home moms, you know, that had the online business when I worked full time and I was like, how do you do that? How do you get there? And I totally agree with you. Like if there's a mom out there that's listening, that's thinking like, that's all I want is just to be home with my kids. Maybe you have to put a few things in place. Maybe you have to make a plan. Maybe you have to get some financial things in order or 
come up with a strategy to get there, but you can definitely do that. So with all that being said, and we talked a lot about balance and kind of juggling, you know, three kids and the career and marriage and moving and clients and everything. Sometimes we forget to put our own happiness on the list. So how do you find alone time? And then how do you use that time? Yeah, that is forever the struggle. (laughs) I will say recently when I was making my like little vision board, just to get clear about my goals and priorities. Yeah. One of the most difficult things I've done was writing down my priorities and realizing that I didn't put myself in there and that myself had to go first and is weird and is uncomfortable and is selfish or whatever that felt. It was like, Mm -hmm. I knew if I didn't put myself on there and myself first, that I wouldn't have anything to give to the rest of these things. And then I would crash and burn and that I had to put it on there and it had to be number one. And that was really, really difficult. Like I, like viscerally, (laughs) it was like hard to like pencil myself in on the top line, but it's necessary. And COVID has made things difficult. I, I know it's made it difficult for all of us. I was just messaging with a friend because last year, right before COVID, my friend, she, she got this great travel deal. We were going to go to Venice, oh. actually, right about now. Oh my gosh. But now we're going to have to like postpone it or whatever. Oh. But for me, it was giving myself permission to do some of those things. Mm-hmm. Put some of that stuff on there, on the calendar to carve out those times. And whether it's a big thing, like once yearly trip with your girlfriend to Venice, yeah. <laughs> or whether it's smaller things, one of the biggest things that I've done, which has been my life is so much better when I stick to this and I don't always, is once a week, Thursdays. I carve out every Thursday evening okay. for time with a friend, like dinner. It's basically my evening out. And my husband knows, like it's on the calendar. And sometimes it might get shifted to a different evening or whatever. But I know that one evening a week, Thursday evening, I'm going to have time with a friend. And again, COVID makes it hard, but it's like, maybe you can get out to a patio with someone, you know, right? maybe even it's just a Zoom call with a friend. But for me, that time with friends ends up being time for myself. And then sometimes, you know, I just go wander around after that. Yeah. But if I don't carve out those times, (laughs) then what happens is I go, 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 go. And then I crash and burn and I want to go like underground and that's not good. So if I don't have those moments on the calendar planned out for myself for something that I enjoy doing, then again, I just, I can't keep it together and I'm a big old stress ball and it's not good. So yes, penciling myself into the calendar has been key. (laughs) Yeah. I agree. I'm all about using the calendar as a tool to help us move forward and prioritize. I'm all about journaling. We kind of talked a little bit about that off air. But yeah, whatever the tool is to help you prioritize yourself, use that tool. But then I think that's perfect. What you said is actually putting yourself on your list, on your calendar, and carving out that time you know, even if you aren't meeting a girlfriend, right? Like maybe that's just your carved out time where you get to go outside and go for a walk. Mm -hmm. Take yourself to the park and eat a sandwich under a tree by yourself. (laughs) Like whatever that looks like. So I would love for 
everyone to hear where they can connect with you, how they can find you, how they can read your awesome and interesting Facebook posts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just share where everybody can connect with you. So I put a lot of personal things on my Facebook business page, but a lot of times they're real estate related just because that's my life. Mm -hmm. So it's my Rachel Wester realtor page. And then you can always find me with a good quick Google search on aquistorealestate.com. And then you're always welcome to email mm-hmm. me. I am a teacher at heart. And I always I always have a million people asking me, you know, I've thought about getting my real estate license or I've thought about these things, you know. So if you have questions about that and you want to know the real scoop, I'll tell you the the really good and I'll tell you the really bad. You know? And <laughs> yeah. so I always enjoy connecting with people and helping people. And I'm an open book. Perfect. And I will include all your links to your Instagram and your Facebook and all that. I'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show with me today, Rachel. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was fun. All right, Mama. What golden nuggets did you absorb from the conversation today? One big idea that she hammered home is to focus on your big life decision costs. Our home and our living situation is arguably the largest budget line item and overall cost we'll have in our lifetime, with the exception of maybe retirement. The focus is basically this. While your home, rent or mortgage, may be expensive, make sure that it's actually making you happy. If you're paying a ton but hate your location or the structure or the maintenance, moving could be a great financial, mental, and physical reset. With any purchase, including that big house payment each month, I want to encourage you to ask yourself, is this moving me toward my goals or away from them? While I truly believe you can have it all, notice that Rachel and I talked about using the calendar as a tool and scheduling time for yourself so that you can be 100% for your loved ones, which is also why I shared about the free cozy app in this episode, because that's the shared calendar we use and where I pencil in my mommy time. Thank you for listening today and being here. I'd love for you to take a quick screenshot of your podcast app or YouTube wherever you're listening to the show and post it on social media, recommending your friends tune in too. You can tag me at happy, healthy abundance on Facebook or Instagram. And don't be surprised if I share your post and tag you back in my stories. I'm also really enjoying the reviews y'all are posting. They encourage me, tell me what you like and don't like And help me know what subjects you want to hear and learn more about. Recently, Tabitha C. wrote, Thorough and actionable inspiration. Virginia saves you from hours of research and gives loads of great information about the why behind the topic at hand. Her topics relate to abundance and inspire us far beyond just financial abundance. Thank you, Tabitha. I'm a researcher, and I'm so appreciative that you picked up on that. And yes, I wholly believe that there are several pieces to the abundance puzzle, if you will. 
So it's important to me that we address multiple facets of motherhood, not just the money stuff. Thank you so much for your review. And for you other mamas listening, post your reviews. Tell me what you think, what I'm doing well or where I can improve. And I might just read yours on air next week. Again, thank you all for being here with me today. This week, edge a little closer to reaching abundance by taking notice of your must-have, must-pay expenses like the rent, the electricity, cable, etc. And then check out your options to see if you can or if you would like to reduce them. Don't forget to check out the show notes at reachingabundance.com where you'll also find the links to follow Rachel, the downloadable list of kids' money books, more details on Cozy so you can start sharing a family calendar with you on it, and of course, the summary of everything we talked about. Have a wonderful week, Mama. I look forward to talking with you again next time.